Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This Day in Crime is released every day, Monday through Saturday. For ad-free listening and exclusive bonus content, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm Todd McComas, and today is Monday... January 29th. And on this day, 69 years ago, Charles Starkweather, the worst half of the murderous young couple that inspired the movie Natural Born Killers, was taken into police custody. 19-year-old Starkweather and his 14-year-old girlfriend, Carol Ann Fugate, went on a nine-day killing spree in 1958 that claimed the lives of 10 innocent people. On this day, 432 years ago, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet played before its first live audience. A story of two young star-crossed lovers that tragically took their own lives because their families would never allow them to be together. So today, young love is in the air. And to me, it smells like hope. Like, hope it goes better than those two stories. Now let's find out what's going on in the world of crime. A drug dealer put on ice? A mom and dog double murder? Don't F with rabbits? A federal drug crackdown? A serial swatter? And dog napping gone wild? All coming up on this Day in Crime. We're all relieved to hear stories that end with our community having one less drug dealer on the street. But for the residents of one particular apartment building in Brooklyn, they're relieved to hear they have one less drug dealer in the refrigerator. 45-year-old Heather Steins, a transplant from Kentucky, has been arrested in connection with the murder of alleged drug dealer and convicted sex offender, Kashin Gelser. Her arrest comes after police received the tip that Gelser might very well be dead in her refrigerator. And when police entered the apartment, they noticed the refrigerator door was taped shut. That had to make the hair on their neck stand up. Because as a former cop, I can tell you, you don't expect to find a body in the fridge even though that's what the tip was. What you expect to find is that someone called that tip in because they're pissed at the residents of that apartment about something else. But I can only imagine when they saw the fridge door taped shut, sphincters began to pucker. And they went full pucker once they managed to open the door and found a human head and other body parts on ice. Interestingly enough, Stein's husband, Nicholas McGee, wasn't home when the discovery was made because he was locked up in Virginia on an identity theft case. 
And interestingly enough, this discovery came as to no shock to the other residents of the apartment building. A neighbor stated to the media that everyone in the building knew Gelzer was in their freezer. She said, quote, everybody knew he went in there and never came back out. We all talked about it, unquote. It's so wild. She and other tenants said the couple would allow the drug dealer Gelzer to sleep at their apartment from time to time. And that since Gelzer went missing, Steins and McGee would have other neighbors over, but wouldn't let anyone go anywhere near the kitchen. After she was in custody, Steins told investigators that her husband killed Gelsner back in September during a dispute over drugs and then chopped him up and stored the parts in plastic bags inside the freezer. Steins has been charged with concealment of a corpse. And I think it's safe to assume we're going to hear about some more charges once police manage to get her husband back to New York. But for five months, they kept Gelsner's chopped up body in their freezer. Why? It's a dead body for cripes sake. Get rid of the evidence and make room for pizza rolls and stuff. I'm going to go ahead and warn you that this episode is the most animal intensive episode I've ever done. On January 19th, police were called to the 1500 block of Hornell Loop in Brooklyn. When they arrived, they observed, and I quote, a lifeless and bloody dog lying in front of the building that appeared to have multiple stab wounds to its body, unquote. They also encountered a naked man covered in blood in front of the building. And let me just say this, a naked man covered in blood is every first responder's worst nightmare. And this naked man covered in blood was identified as 36-year-old Andre Eugene, a paraprofessional at a Brooklyn public school. Evidently, paraprofessional has now replaced the old job title, teaching assistant. So go ahead and erase the words teaching assistant from your brain because I don't want you getting canceled. Andre Eugene told officers that his mother, Donna Hyman, had taken her own life in her 11th-story apartment and that her poor little poodle, Gigi, must have fallen from the balcony while she was doing so. When officers entered the 11-story apartment, they found 58-year-old Donna Hyman dead on the floor and covered in her own blood. Her autopsy would later reveal that she had been stabbed 56 times, which I'm sure had investigators thinking her son Andre's initial story was a little off. In fact, I'm certain of that because now they've charged him with second-degree murder in connection with her death and aggravated cruelty to animals in the death of beloved Gigi. According to court documents, when Eugene was examined at the hospital, it was determined that he had numerous self-inflicted stab wounds and a rather severe dog bite to the thigh. Good for you, Gigi. If you're a Tenderfoot Plus subscriber, keep enjoying your ad-free experience. For everyone else, we'll be right back after this break. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. 
Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. A Pennsylvania woman who obviously didn't watch Don't F with Cats thought it would blow up her social media game if she started torturing animals on her YouTube channel. And it did blow it up, but not in the way she had hoped. Both YouTube and animal rights organization PETA said, Not up in here! Not on our watch! And the Upper Darby Police Department was called into action. Before her account was shut down, 28-year-old Anagar Monsi posted videos of herself torturing and killing living animals such as rabbits, chickens, frogs, and pigeons. And listen, I'm not going to go into the details of what she did to these animals because they're simply too disturbing, but just know that in many of her videos, she committed these monstrous acts while appearing scantily clad and making sexually explicit comments. And obviously those videos made great evidence, so she was charged with four counts of aggravated cruelty to animals. 
This story is completely bananas because she honestly thought that this was going to make her like the next Jenna Marbles on YouTube. I mean, come on. Jenna Marbles makes her dogs cakes for their birthdays. Learn the algorithm, you sick bitch. Every now and again, the federal government makes a media splash to remind the public that they're still serious about winning the war on drugs. And we just had another one of those. Nearly 200 people from 10 different states have been indicted by federal prosecutors targeting large drug trafficking organizations operating here in the U.S. According to them, these are defendants who are part of large-scale drug trafficking organizations throughout the eastern, southern, and midwestern regions of the country and throughout Alaska. I always forget about Alaska, but obviously people there love drugs too. These investigative efforts were part of the Defense Department's violent crime reduction strategy implemented by U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland. Garland said Friday, quote, These cases represent just a fraction of the work our agents and prosecutors are doing every day to target, disrupt, and dismantle the cartels and drug trafficking organizations that are poisoning the American people. And just to put a stamp on it, justice officials said that every U.S. attorney's office in the country has collaborated with state and local partners to implement district-specific violent crime reduction strategies. That sounds like something we never hear every election year. I'm sure we can expect the cartels to close up shop any minute. Eric Quintana covered a story recently about swatting. Swatting is a dangerous game or prank where phone calls from idiots to police cause armed officers to force entry into the homes or offices of innocent people. And plenty of innocent people have been injured and even killed as a result. So you'd like to think that people would have learned their lesson by now. But here's the thing about people. Some of them suck. A man in Washington state has pleaded guilty to federal charges stemming from several hoax calls he made to law enforcement agencies in which he falsely reported bombs, shootings, and other threats that sometimes led police officers to enter victims' homes with their weapons drawn. So who is this ulcer-inducing turd? 21-year-old Ashton Connor Garcia pleaded guilty to two counts of extortion and two counts of threats and hoaxes regarding explosives. According to court records, Garcia made 20 swatting calls to police in multiple states in Canada between June 2022 and March 2023. Garcia, who described himself as a cyber terrorist, would often broadcast these calls on the social media platform Discord. There he would encourage others to watch and participate. In Garcia's calls to law enforcement, he often pretended to be the victim of or a witness to domestic violence involving guns and sexual assault. He also targeted several female victims by threatening to have cops dispatched to their homes if they didn't send him nude photographs or provide him with their parents' credit card information. This dude is the worst. But now he faces 10 years for each count of the explosives hoaxes and two years for each count of extortion, so it doesn't sound like he'll be swatting anyone else anytime soon. It's hard to do that when you have to call collect. And finally, I know there's money in dog napping, but I always forget that it's a thing until a story like this comes along and I'm reminded that, oh yeah, 
people kidnap dogs, especially in Los Angeles. Here's what happened. Ali Zacharias was enjoying a nice little lunch day at Whole Foods with her French bulldog, Onyx. Onyx was being a good boy and sitting under Ali's chair, just minding his own business, hoping she drops a piece of turkey at some point, when a woman began calling to him while approaching their table. And when she got to the table, this woman grabbed Onyx's leash and began to walk away with him. Now, Ali said she wasn't thinking that the woman was trying to steal her dog. She said she thought it was just some kind of misunderstanding. So Ali said she called out to the woman, telling her that she had her dog by mistake, but the woman ignored her and got into a car that was waiting on her. And she put Onyx in the car with her. So Ali said she climbed into the car to grab Onyx, but other people in the car pushed her out and locked the doors. There were four people total in the car, so she was overmatched. But after being thrown from the car, she bravely stepped in front of it to stop the dog nappers from getting away and immediately screamed for help. But she said the car then drove into her and the next thing she knew, she was up on the hood of the car, lethal weapon style, holding on for dear life. And between traffic cameras and people taking advantage of an opportunity to go viral on the gram, there was no shortage of video capturing Allie riding the hood of this car as the dog nappers sped through town. These dog nappers raced for several blocks before making a sharp turn that eventually threw Allie to the ground. Thankfully, she wasn't seriously injured. The suspect vehicle is described as a newer model white Kia Forte sedan with a missing hubcap on the driver's front side. According to Allie, the woman who stole her dog was African-American as were the other three people in the car. She said the driver was a man and that all three women in the car were overweight. Onyx is a black Merle French bulldog with a spotted coat and different colored eyes. Obviously, Allie is praying that she'll be reunited with him soon, and she's offering a reward for information leading to his safe return. I almost want to take a month's vacation to go help her find these heartless shitbags. I don't want the reward, but how hard can it be to find a white Kia Forte with a missing hubcap in LA? I'm guessing probably way more hard than it would be for me to get my ass shot off trying to find a stolen French bulldog. Maybe I'll just leave it up to the cops. That's going to be it for me today, so make sure you tune in tomorrow for more top stories with Laura Benson. I'll see you on Friday. This Day in Crime is a production of Tenderfoot TV in partnership with Odyssey, produced in association with Burning Mountain Productions. Sources for today's episode and full credits can be found in the show notes, and you can follow us on social media at This Day in Crime. We're back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening.